loud. So, group one is going to present. We do this back in um, Shepherd's House. So, group one is going to present. However, group two and group three also have the ability to ask questions. Right. If it doesn't... They are going to read their questions. Because this is actually going to be good because you guys read the same scripture. Yeah, so at least everybody has read exactly. So you should, you know, if something is not clear, you can ask questions. Amen. Um, so you have the right to ask questions as well. Because we want to make it very engaged and we want to make sure we learn. Amen. So you get your notebooks and get everything ready so we can, you take notes. Amen. So group one. Who is talking on your behalf? You read your question, and then you tell us your... Praise God. Um, so the question is, identify five characteristics of the 22 soldiers. 22,000 soldiers. Uh, the 22,000 soldiers had the will to fight. That's why they came forward in the first place. They had the will... And then, that's, that's number one. Number two, they were fearful. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not time to ask questions yet. So hold your question. I'd rather, I'd rather finish giving the points and then take the questions. Yeah, one thing at a time. And then... All right, so point number one, they were willing to go and fight. Point number two, they were fearful. And then characteristic number three, they lacked faith. And number four, they elevated themselves. I can only read what's on it. And then number five, they were double-minded. Yeah. So that's, that's five, five characteristics, right? All right, cool. No, it's only five. Any questions? Any questions? Okay, okay. Those, you have to know the rules of the game. You have to know the rules of the game. They identify five characteristics. Okay? Unless maybe you have, you know, some addition or you have, you know, something that needs to be clarified. You just simply just ask for clarification on that very particular. Just expand on the fearful. First of all, fear has nothing to do with size. <laughs> Second of all, that's true. Because Goliath was very, very brave. So was David, but who won? And then, <laughs> so, so that's, that's the answer that I have for him on the fearful side of it. If he has. What's this? 
What's the second question? One question. Thank you very much. All right, clap for them, clap for them, clap for them. Clap for them. Group, group three, you are really being very, very loud. Group three, you will be disqualified if this continues. Amen. You see, those are the questions that we need. To, those are the questions that we need to talk about. Um, the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You can be willing to do something, and fear will strike you. Peter was willing to walk on the water, but fear struck him when he looked around. Good, good, amen. They want to know about the double-minded. Um, if you can clarify on that as well. I will, no problem. To be willing to go and fight is one decision. And to return is another decision. And the Bible says in the book of James, no, it's not James, it's, it's, it's James chapter 4, verse 8. It said, turn to the Lord and the Lord will turn to you. And it says at the bottom of that verse, it says, it says, clinch your, clinch your hands, you sinner. And it says, purify your heart, you double-minded. And the Bible also tells us that a double-minded person can never be stable in his ways. So they made one decision at first, and the second decision, which is a sign of unstableness or instability. So therefore, they were double-minded. Well done. All right, now group, group two, can you present? Group two, can you present? Group two. Amen. For group two, uh, our question was, identify five characteristics of the 10,000 soldiers. And we said determination, braveness, two, obedience, three, willingness, one, determination slash braveness, two, obedience, three, willingness, Four, loyalty, and five, they weren't all qualified. They weren't all qualified. Any questions for group two? I have a question. And I really am a professor, so anybody that speaks now, you're out of the class. <laughs> F. F. So my question is, the last, last thing you said is they were not all qualified. What would make them qualified?
Hello? Yeah, so our last point was that they're not all qualified, right? Because when you look at the 10,000, that includes the three. When you look at the 10,000, that includes different groups, the 300 as well. You know what I mean? And then so when you read further on the story, you see how God selected out of 10,300. So even though they were all were willing to fight, right, not all of them were qualified according to what God wanted to, you know, according to God's qualification. So that was that. I think it's a little bit confusing as well. Because, oh, you want to answer too? Well, um, I wouldn't say, well, we said they weren't all qualified, but we know that when God calls us, he doesn't call us based on qualifications. And so, but there's a reason why God called them. And we would, we would, in our reasons, we would say God doesn't call us based on what we do or what we have and our qualif- and what, what we can do. He calls us on what he knows that we can do to be able to bring him what he wants to do. Because he said that of all the people that he called, they know that if they were to all go out into battle, they would take the glory for themselves. So he separated them and set for them those who he wanted to use. And to him, that's what his qualifications means. And what he wants to use them for is not what they can do. It's what he's Some of this will be discussed as well. It's the same question like everybody else. Identify five characteristics of the 10,000 soldiers. Yeah. Yours, yours was a 22. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Some of, the, some of your points, you had very good points. Um, but I think we, we, we want to delve a little bit because this group actually was one of the most challenging group of all. Because it's very important to really see the, the reason for that separation, right? Because there is a reason why God spoke to Gideon really about the type of group that should be going to the war, right? And I, so I think you listed very good qualities, but there was also some qualities about them as well that probably set, set them separate um, from not being able to be part of those who went forth to fight. All right, so we'll discuss that when we do our... Yeah, we'll discuss a lot of that. We'll discuss a lot of that. Yes, group three. All the loud noise you have done, it's now your turn. We are confident in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> oh, I can go ahead. So our assignment was to identify five characteristics of the 300 soldiers. The brave men. And the first thing that we wrote was they were fearless. Would anybody want me to explain or are you good? Okay. I'm, I'm just checking. They were, <laughs> they were fearless. That's the first thing. We also wrote that they were wise. They possessed wisdom. We wrote that they were watchful and they were obedient. They, demonstrate, they demonstrated faith. And we have two extra ones if you guys want extra points as well. Add it. It's okay. They demonstrated self-control. And... They were qualified by God. Amen. Any questions? 
Okay, so as far as with the, the self-control, um, God told um, Gideon to separate by those that will go and just dip their mouth in the water versus those that will lap by dogs. And if you read, I think, verse 6, it specifies that they lap with their hand first and then they drank. Anybody who's thirsty will just rush and just bum rush their face in the water. But as soldiers, they have to be mindful of their circumstance and mindful of the environment. The enemy could... <laughs> <laughs> the, the enemy can attack, so they have to be watchful and look around. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 <laughs> it's it's almost ten. It's almost ten o'clock. So let's try to go through some few things. Yeah. We'll, we'll go. <laughs> Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Group three, group three, group three. Let me say this. Let me say this. Group three. You have analyzed it well, but I really think, based on the criteria of students, you are all disqualified. <laughs> Amen. Let's share a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that give us understanding. Give us wisdom. That as your word come forth, you teach us through this. That we shall be among the elected 300. We shall be part of the elected 300. We shall be made known that we are the 300. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a very interesting story, and I think it is also good for us to really discuss this because when you are thinking about prevailing grace, prevailing grace, it's essential to really look at this, this, really, this story as it breaks it down. Because, you know, I think, you know, when we, we've been talking about it a little bit as well over the phone conference when we're praying and stuff like that, you know, some of the speakers dealt with what prevailing grace really is. And we realized that prevailing is not just saying that I have won. But it's really they have taken dominance. They have taken superior, superior authority over wherever they find themselves. Amen. So it is not someone that just steps into a place and says, I have grace. But it's really a grace that doesn't give up. It is a grace that really reflects what God has deposited for his grace to be. So when he spoke to Apostle Paul, he says that my grace is sufficient. Amen. It means that this grace that we, are, we have today is not a grace that is just for when you were saved, but it's beyond your salvation as well. That after you have been saved, you can also be able to live the life of Christ Jesus. Amen? So we saw these three groups. Now, before you can truly understand the fullness of how these actions of the three groups come to be, I think it may be essential to really understand the very nature of the lives of these people. Because if you understand fully their nature, then it, ma it makes sense. It makes sense why you have 22,000 leaving, 10,000 deciding to go, but yes, to eventually ended up being, you know, escorted out, right? And then 3,000 going forth, 300 going forth as God has commissioned. Amen? So let's look at Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Verses 1 to 6. The word of the Lord says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. 
So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian for seven years. And the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had so, the Midianites would come up. Also, the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, but they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of God cried out to the Lord. Amen. Amen. The Israelites, as much as the Lord has given them the provision and everything else, a time has come because they have sinned against God and the hand of God has gone against them. And because of that, the Lord has given the right and the authority for the Midianites to go, you know, to basically torment them. Amen. And what we realize is that as much as they built and did everything else, all that stuff was destroyed by the Midianites. So they started to have, find themselves in caves. They started to find themselves in dents. They started to find themselves in strongholds in the mountains. Now, we have to understand this very fast because what was happening is that the Bible says whenever they did anything, the Midianites will come and what? Destroy it all. This truly is sometimes the life that we are faced with and challenged with every day as children of God. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal and what? Destroy. But Jesus Christ came to give us what? Life and life of abundance. So it is important and imperative that we live in the life of Jesus. Because outside of that life, the strongholds, you will find yourself staying in cages. You will find yourself staying in caves. The reason why sometimes some people may have known Jesus and say that they have been saved, but yet still their life does not exemplify Jesus is because yet they still have allowed some things to just keep dwelling in their life. Sin is still ruling in their life. So you realize that these people... And if you look at the 22,000 people, what was the first thing the Bible talked about the 22,000 people? God asked, you know, to spoke to Gideon. And Gideon said, whoever is afraid, what do you do? Now, if you read from chapter 6, verse 34, you realize that the common denominator for all these three groups, groups was that they were all called to come to what? Fight. Get it here. That means that they all had some ability to fight a war. They all had some ability to win. Everyone here has a measure of grace to overcome. Everybody has a measure of grace to overcome. But the problem here was that when they went, because they had been fearful of the Midianites, when, when the first rule came forth, whoever is afraid, leave, they 
naturally departed. Why? Because they have lived in a life of fear for so many years. Seven years, they have become accustomed be living in a life being under the, the authority of the Midianites. So even though they heard the call, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Even though they heard the call, by virtue of the fact that fear has really dwelt in them, even though they are what? Israelites, children of God. Even though they know that their God is the Alpha and Omega. Even though they know that their God is the one that delivered them out of Egypt. Because of the power of fear. They excluded themselves quickly. That's what the Lord has decreed in his word. That he has not given unto us a spirit of what? Fear. Fear is a spirit that most of the time, as children of God, it entangles what the Lord has called us to do. And if we are not careful, what we will find ourselves doing is that today we have been here, this past three days we have been here, and we'll go out and then we will encounter our Midianites. But when you encounter your Midianites, it's your decision to run back into your caves. It's your decision to run back into your strongholds. When you encounter your Midianites, what are your actions? Because in these four walls, there is safety. But when you are there by yourself, and your Midianite faces you, what do you do? What position do your Midianite stand in your life? Are you still so much afraid of your Midianites? That time after time, sometimes even as Christians, the Lord has given unto us wisdom and understanding to do things, and then we decide to do it, but immediately we say, oh, because of what happened in my family, I know that this would not even, it would not, I would not even be able to do it. I can't even prosper in doing this. This is how my life is conditioned to be. Me, I can't see myself progressing. So you are also always shutting yourself because of what? Midianites. This is very important for us to understand. Because as we are moving through the story, we will understand that God is searching to, for the elected. And that 300 has to be elected. You need to have a desire to be part of what? The 300. Yeah. You have to have a desire to be part of what? The 300. So don't stay in the 22,000. Don't think that 22,000 gives you enough grounds. So the 22,000, we say that they were willing to fight, but fearful. They lacked faith. They elevated themselves. They were double-minded. I want us to think about this in our own individual lives. Do any of these characters prevail in our lives? 
Think about it. Do any of these characters have so, such a stronghold in your life? Is it fear? Is it lack of faith? Is it double-minded? What has tied you down as a child of God? Sometimes I've encountered people that are even afraid to pray. Because they fear that if they pray, something will happen. Am I teaching this year? So let's move to the 10,000. And we said they were determined. They were um, obedient. Willing. Loyalty. But they were what? Disqualified. The 10,000 is a group that I think majority of Christians we find ourselves in. Really. One of the things that they failed to talk about that I want to just talk a little briefly about, about the 10,000 or two things here, is that they know how to be on high. They know how to be high on praise. High in the moment. But when the tough come to tough, the hype was only for the moment. What was the song that you guys were singing in dream worship? You are great. And you see how people were jumping. You are great. You are great. If you know that he is that great, then no weapons that fashion against me will ever prosper. If you know that he is that great, then you shall walk as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation. If you know that he is that great, then you live your life as one that has been saved by grace. Not by law, but by the grace of God. If you know that he is that great, then you live your life knowing that in all your ways, he will never leave you or forsake you. But we have lived in the hype. Yeah. Today, pastor, I am willing to serve. Tomorrow, no show. Let me teach this. So you understand this matters. I have received a revelation, Pastor. So I want you to give me an opportunity to prophesy to the church. No, 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 no. It's a serious matters. We have become Christians that we don't, we don't, we are, we are, we, we know, you know, we talked about the sower, the parable of the sower. And we have not yearned for any root. So whenever there is storm and there is challenges, we are gone. You see, what I want to teach, apart from the fact of death being high, the other thing is that you can tell that because they have lived in cages, and they have lived in, in, in the mountains. When they got the opportunity to experience drinking water, they became more focused about their belly 
They were so content. They were became so excited about how they can be satisfied. Their satisfaction was more important to them than anything else. Because they had the opportunity. A lot of times, many, many leaders and many Christians, what happens is that when things are going well for us, that is how we want to serve God in a certain way. But when we are not getting things the way we want to get it, then God, la la. Are you hearing me here? The 10,000 was not elected because when they had the opportunity to drink, their focus was no longer upon the purpose of their calling. Their focus now became upon their satisfaction. Where is your understanding on your purpose of your calling? Because if you know your purpose of calling, it doesn't matter the opportunity you get. Either opportunity to drink, opportunity not to drink, you still have the purpose in front of you. Can I teach this here? We have become Christians that the prevailing grace is not for, the, for those who are willing to just satisfy their belly. Do I serve because the pastor is here? When the pastor is not there, who is serving? You. When the pastor is there, who is serving? You. What am I saying? Your ability to serve is not based on the condition of who is around. But many of the times... The church, we, the reason one of the things we are struggling with is because the Bible says that the harvest is what? The harvest is what? But the workers are what? Why is the workers few in the kingdom of God? Have you asked yourself that question? Have you thought about that? Why are the workers few in the kingdom of God? Because they have to satisfy. They have become content. They have become okay. Pastor Bernard said something today that was so very powerful to me. He said, if you think that the, speaking in tongues alone is all that you are okay with, then there is a problem. Seek beyond speaking in tongues. There is more for you and I. Seek beyond speaking in tongues. Speak for understanding. Speak for, for the prophetic giftings. Speak for wisdom. Seek after the face of God. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. That 10,000. That 10,000. Hmm. I fear. Sometimes. If, we, if I am in the 10,000. Yeah. Sometimes I worry. Are we part of the 10,000? They dug their heads straight into the water. 
because they had to satisfy their need. They have been in the mountains for so long. Literally, they realized they went and they are in battlefield. Have you realized that sometimes, and today, for example, see, people have been fasting. You could tell that the prayer was moving forward. Today, if I had ventured to try to say we are going to take us into prayer tonight, people would have looked at me. Because the way people did justice to the food <laughs> at 4 p.m. Oh, let me say it. I mean, we did justice to the food. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing wrong being justice to the food. The food had to be eaten. So we ate it. You could tell us some people went double and triple. Because why? They have not eaten for so long. So when they got the food, have you thought about this? It's a thing that we do every day. It's a thing that we do every day. Amen. But the 3,000, I mean the 300, we realized that their drinking method was different. And God selected that method of drinking for a reason. That's why I wanted to touch base on that when you guys said um, they were disqualified. For, you know, they were all disqualified. See, they were disqualified because their action of drinking will not give them the ability to overcome and overtake. They themselves, they were so, you know, they were thirsty and they became so full. That they were not, I don't even think they were able to even go, they, were, they would be able to even go to that wall and have enough strength. Because if you read towards and keep reading down, you realize that the, the Israelites that went to the 300, they didn't just fight. In the beginning, the people themselves killed themselves. But you realize that they had to then pursue them. You need to have the stamina to be able to run the race. Hallelujah. So the 300, tell somebody the 300. I want to be part of them. The 300. I want to be part of them. What made the 300 people, soldiers, unique and different? It's one thing I want us to learn. Let's go to Judges again. I should not judge this. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1. Sorry, Judges 1. Judges 1 is what I wrote here. Judges 1. Twenty-seven. <clears throat> and I want to read this briefly. Are you tired? Okay. Judges 1 verses 27. However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Sheen and its village, or Taknak and its village, or the inhabitants of Dor and its village, or the inhabitants of Bilam and its village, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its village. And the Canaanites, hear this, the Canaanites were what? Determined to dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong 
that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but did not completely destroy them. Before I continue, go to Deuteronomy. Chapter 20. Verse 16. And I read. But the cities, this is God speaking to the people. But the cities of these people, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall not let nothing that breathe remain alive. But you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. I'll stop there. What does the word say? What was God's command to them? Everything that has breath, destroy it. But in Judges chapter 1 verses 27, what do we discover? Huh? They failed to destroy. Why did they fail to destroy? Oh my goodness, somebody help me out here now. Why did they fail to destroy? They became comfortable. Okay, what else? Huh? They were using them as slaves. They were comfortable with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, we do that too. Uh-huh. What else again? They were disobedient. God bless you. What else again? The people were determined that we are not leaving this place. You get my point? The Canaanites were determined that they will not leave the land. So they allowed some of them to stay. You see, your old white skin is determined not to come off. But you cannot allow that old white skin to remain. Because you have to get rid of it. Not some of it, but all of it. The issue here is that we have allowed the evil one ability to say, I am determined to stay. And you have then also said, well, if you will stay, then I will cover you up. I will still go to church. I will still be part of the praise and worship team. I will still do this. But in the mix of it, in the mix of it, there are still some Midianites in your life. They are still some Canaanites leading your life. So they are then also what? Taking over. Hallelujah. They were determined not to leave. Do you think that your past, the nature of your past, do you think that it easily just comes off? Prevailing grace is for you to be able to live and walk the life whereby every day you are putting everything of the old nature to death. The more you allow the old nature to sit around, the more disobedience continues to rule in your life. After being saved by grace, you should not allow, you see, sometimes it's interesting. If you see how sometimes some Christians are out there publicly, the way they talk, the way they fight people, the way they do all sorts of things. 
and nature does not reflect the new wine. It says, we read it yesterday, if the new wine is not poured into a new wine skin, both will be destroyed. But you see, we have, we have carried the same mindset of the Israelites. Whereby we are not getting rid of them, we are keeping some things around. Hmm? There are some friends I don't want to get rid of. Whereby you know that these friends don't profit you. There are some conversations that you should get rid of. Gossiping. Lying. But biting. Oh, don't act like we don't do it. I don't like this pastor. The way the pastor looked at me today. I'm not coming back to the church. I told my church one day. Actually, I don't think I said it in Lynchburg, but I told it to the people in Charlottesville. That you know how most of the time people complain and say, Pastor, I have issue with this person, this person, this person. And there's always people in the church that always have issues with people. Oh, can I get an amen here? So then they sometimes will say, Pastor, if this woman stays in this church, then I'm leaving the church. I told the church one day, the way sometimes people give you wahala, I will come and stand in front of the pulpit one day and say, church, good morning. You have been stressing me out <laughs> for the past few years. So I want you to know, I'm leaving, man. No, what would be your response? This pastor is not spiritual. <laughs> Where is the Holy Ghost in this pastor? Huh? No, no, no. But not. We should try to do that. But not. We should try to do that one day. You know, when the members stress us out, we also have to go and have our peace of mind. Huh? You're. <laughs> Oh my God. Now, it is important for us to really look at this place of determin determination. Because you have to assess yourself. Are you determined enough? Prevailing grace equals prevailing determination. You have to be determined for what your God has called you to be. A child of God. You got to be determined to the very end. Be determined to get rid of the old wineskin. Be, de be determined to what? Experience to walk with the Holy Spirit day after day. Sometimes the truth is we are not determined enough. But the 300 were determined. So God what? Elected them. Ask ourselves, are we determined enough? How determined are you as a child of God? How determined are you in this grace and this calling? I talked about the spiritual high. I see that all the time. I've been doing ministry work for so many years. And it saddens me. 
And I'm trying to always make sense of it. How come today this person is on fire for God? Will be at church early. Next month, they will do the closing prayer. They will walk in and do the closing prayer. That's how late. No, no, no. We have, this is serious matters. You see, the problem is this. Pastor, I have to say this. We will fail our calling if we don't teach the church the right way to overcome and overtake. The church has to be a church that is determined to walk with Jesus Christ. The church has to be. Today, you know, everybody excited. But when we get out of these double doors, when we are doing our individual fasting as a church and you are in your individual home, only God knows that you break by 12 o'clock. But is it, are you, can you determine enough? Can you determine enough to, to persevere in prayer? The church has to be determined. The people of God has to be determined. When you talk about double-minded, it boils down to the root of that. You are double-minded because your yes is not your yes, your no is not your no. But when you are determined, the Bible talks about something that was so powerful. It said the Lord searches for a man with integrity. You see, integrity is the prayer that says that yes is yes and no is no. So when the time came for Job, God elected Job for the challenges that the evil one presented. It's your Christian life, a life that God can elect you to go through a challenge, a test. It's your Christian life, a life whereby God can say, have you considered my servant John? Have you lived in a way that God can say, have you considered my servant Carol? God, once again, what? Elected. But he elected based on condition. So you cannot be skewed and think that, Oh, grace, unmerited favor. But God searches your heart. And he knows that your heart will yield to his word. Your heart will yield to the obedience of his word. Hallelujah. He searched after who? David. Knowing that David had a heart to worship him. David had a heart to chase after him. So you can't just say, I'm doing anything I want to do. And God will still elect me. There are some things God looks at. Are you determined enough? Oh, don't look mad. If you do, that's okay. Because I have to push this through you. You cannot leave here and say you've come to, you know, you know Rehoboth and you are going to leave here and still be the same. It cannot happen. For the sake of time, let's read, let's read 
First Corinthians chapter nine. I mean chapter three. Verses nine to seventeen. Are you determined enough? Tell your neighbor, are you determined enough? Is anybody there yet? All right, do somebody want to read? Yes. We are who? Mm-hmm. On that judgment day, what will happen? Okay. And who? And who? Continue, please. Amen. I shall like my verse on verse 17. It says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. And this is what it says. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? Which temple are what? You. Are you determined enough to make it to get some water to drink? Or are you determined enough to be able to go to the battlefield? Are you determined enough? Are you determined enough? And which temple are you? Ask yourself, which temple are you? What temple have you become? A temple useful for God to use or a temple to satisfy your own need? Which temple are you? You have to have it be a temple that is what? Holy. The new wine, which is the Holy Spirit, needs to dwell in a new white skin. The new white skin has to be, you know, the, the, the shape and, and the ability of the new white skin all depends on the Holy Ghost. So as you yield to the Holy Ghost to dwell in you, the Holy Ghost will then change your nature, change your character, change your personality, change your way of thinking, change your way of doing things, change the way you go about business, change the way you worship God. 
Because then you become a temple that will please God. I pray that you will be that 300. I pray that you will count yourself as part of that 300. Determined to the very end. Let's not fall short on this as our end. That your old nature and the enemy is determined to stay around. Huh? Determinal. So then you have to prevail in your determination. You get it. You have to prevail in your determination. The enemy is not planning on leaving to go anywhere. So we are quick to say, I will speak my mind. I'll do this. I'll do this. Without even consulting God. How many times, and most of the time, I tell my people in the church, if I'm talking to you about anything, I say, you know what, pray about it. Yeah. Because you belong to Jesus. Not me. Yeah. Me, I will teach you the right thing. So if you don't pray about it and let God lead you and your own, you are going your own, you know, just keep going. 10,000. 10,000. Which temple are you? I think that should be a good place for us to end today. As we bring this teachings to a close. Which temple are you? When you leave here, which temple are you? A month from now, which temple are you? Which temple are you? Which temple are you? The word you read said once again what? The day of judgment will come. It doesn't matter what you have decorated your temple to look like. But when the day of judgment comes, it is not how you have beautified yourself. It is not that white collar that you put on your neck. It's what that will save you. Because when the day of judgment comes, you'll be tested on the temple you have become. Are you a temple whereby the Holy Ghost dwell in it? Can God find his spirit in you? The Holy Ghost that we talked about this morning dwells in us. Can God find his spirit in you? Hallelujah. Give a clap of it to Jesus Christ. <laughs>